And we're back. Welcome to episode 27 of Talking the Walk. Coors is the name of episode 27. I am Paul Patterson. Tom Scallon's Phil and Lee Nelson. <laughs> okay. So we talked last week as opposed to yeah, go, you know, guest host or whatever. Now you've just gone with Tom Scallon's Phil. I like it. And, you know, we're going to get right into it. Original music, Jake Brown. And we had a conversation last week with Jake about you getting a new intro song every time you post. And he came through today. Yeah, I made the request and I didn't really know uh, he was gonna have to then run it by you. I thought if I asked, I mean, I am Tom Scallon's fill-in. I just thought he would say, well, of course, Lee, I will do a new song. Oh, I gotta talk to the boss first. Um, didn't he say production manager? I don't remember what he referred to me as. It was some sort of title that is fake. Yeah, tomato, tomato. Yeah, not a real, not a real uh, title for me. Um, original artwork, Bailey Bishop. Uh, social media director, Tyler Stanley. Fact checker, resident fact checker, Jill Martin. And then marketing, of course, is Jeff Gravy at some point. Um, don't know when that'll happen, but, you know, sometime. Anyway, here are, here are a couple of things for you. Number one, here's a fun little trivia game for you. You know that last week, Jake did his favorite song to change the words to, which is One Last Kiss by, well, I think originally Elvis, but then Pearl Jam did the remake. Can anyone, any listener, tell us what Jake was, other than Jake, what song was Jake attempting to play <laughs> for this song that he changed the words to for Lee's intro? Okay. Go ahead. You think about that. Maybe, maybe even go back to the beginning, replay it, and, and try to come up with it. But give me, give me your best guess. Okay. Um, I've been in a podcast confessional. If you're okay with that, we're going to jump right in. Yeah. Let's hop in. First and foremost, Jeff Gravy. I hope you're listening. Jeff Gravy. I was witness to Jake Brown's first experience with Bebops yesterday. Okay. So, I, I, Jake, I apologize. I, I'm not trying to make you sound like you eat for 4,500 calories uh, every meal, but here is what Jake got from Bebop's yesterday. He got a chocolate shake. He got a large fry. He got a hamburger, and then he got a breaded chicken sandwich. Here is the order in which he would put those four items as far as best to not as best. Everybody ready? Chocolate shake, number one. By the way, he had that um, consumed from Fleur Bebops to the high school. That was gone by the time he got back. Second would be the breaded chicken sandwich. Third would be the hamburger. Fourth would be the French fries. But Jeff Gravy, he has now had Bebops. And Tom Scallon, if you're listening, he is going to choose Bebops over Culver's any chance he gets for two things. One, the um, quickness of the uh, order being filled, even though Bebop's was busy, 
which was his number one reason as why he didn't go in the first place. And then number two, uh, felt as though it was way cheaper, which then leads right into Jeff Gravy's, you know, administrators can afford Culver's and teachers can afford Bebop's. Um, that little riff there. Anyway, Jake Brown has finally had Bebop's and he loved it. Next on Podcast Confessional, I'm becoming more judgy. Okay. More? More judgy. More. Yes, more. And let me tell wow. you that the three that have really stood out um, this in the, in the last month or so. First one, I get an absolute kick out of people who park on a hill and can't get their tires turned the correct way. I find that just amusing. Second, people who are not washing their hands right now. And we have too many kids in the high school not washing their hands as they leave the bathroom. And it's bothersome. Here's the third one. And this one happened to me this week. And it happened twice on my drive to school on Tuesday morning. Pull up to the four-way stop by the bank. Okay. So we are G14, if you will, North Avenue and Main Street. I am waving the dad and the two little girls across the street so they can go to daycare. The guy that is going east on G14 North Avenue is tired of waiting for me because it's my turn and he goes through the intersection and crosses in front of the dad and two little girls that are crossing the street. Couldn't wait for me. Couldn't wait for the, for the dad and the girls to walk across the street. So then I get up to the next intersection, which is Cherry and North Avenue, G14. And I wave two middle school kids across. So they're, they're coming south on Cherry, gonna cross North Avenue and then keep going on down there. And a high school girl can't wait for me, so she has to turn left, right in front of the kids as they're getting ready to cross the street. What is wrong with our people around here? Let the people cross the street. Pedestrians have a right of way. They do, and I, I feel your pain, honestly, because I, I walk a, a little girl to school every morning. Um, so we park and then we have to walk across, and it's clearly, I mean, there's a crosswalk and two pedestrian side signs on each side, meaning if somebody's there, you stop. No, nobody, I shouldn't say nobody, very rarely do people stop. So we have to sit there and wait for every car to go by until we go across. I am unable to comprehend how that is going on right now. How are you in that big of a hurry that you can't wait your turn and wait for somebody to cross the street? It's unbelievable. Selfishness. Selfish. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Hey, are you, uh, you got one for a podcast confession? Well, I was going to talk a little bit about yours, or at least that first one. You made the, the comment, Tom Scallon, if you're listening, I will almost guarantee he does not listen. And, and I say that <laughs> judging by listening to this podcast episodes after he has not been there, he is completely clueless what was talked about before. Okay. So, so there is no possible way Tom Scallon is listening uh, to this episode. Okay. Well, he should, because in feedback, there's, there's something coming for him. Okay. Which is one of the three things you're going to enjoy. Oh, great. Great. Yeah. Uh, I would just say in, in another thing, kind of along the same lines, the, the Bebop 
Bebop's thing. And then, you know, I sent that snap this weekend yeah. when we were in Arizona of uh, In-N-Out. And the burgers at In-N-Out are really good. And the fries are miserable. They are, they are awful. <laughs> so you would, so that's you would definitely go two burgers yes. and, and no fries? No, no I mean, the fries have potential. They're like a really nice cut fry. They are just not cooked well. They are, okay. it is, it's huh. not good. But those burgers are very See, good. See, the, the, the interesting thing is, is that there are so many little burger joints around. You know, you've got Sonic. You've got White Castle. You've got In-N-Out. You've got Bebop's for us around here. You've got Culver's. I mean, you know, you, you keep going down. in the, in the more fast foodie restaurants, um, burger joints, and, and it's interesting to know. So when we went to Louisville for the um, USA Football National Conference, um, Tyler Tripp went with us as our, our youth football um, representative and he went to White Castle I think twice he absolutely loves White Castle burgers so I, I think everybody's got a little bit of a niche and in and out if I'm not mistaken is is, is it southwest yeah. United uh, States yep. yeah okay I didn't know if it was just south you know all along the south or if it was just southwest. I think I think it's southwest okay okay um so if you're good we're gonna move to uh we're gonna move to feedback can't wait okay first one um, this one was interesting from another head coach, Dustin Crowley. Of course, our, our boys, um, head boys soccer coach is equipment turn in as one of his least favorite um, times, and especially for a sport that doesn't happen when school is in session. So it's a lot tougher to round things up. And I, I completely, thank goodness football ends in the middle of first semester and not in the summer. So wholeheartedly agree. Now, here's the interesting thing. He enjoys ordering new stuff. Okay, and then um, inventory, he turns into a date night with um, Lindsay, his wife, and him, which I thought was, that one was the interesting piece of it um, for that. Peter Sand, number one, uh, he thought organization of the, of the uh, shed is much appreciated by him because it just makes it nicer. And of course, that's where he keeps his gator um, is in the shed. So when we get things organized, it makes things a little bit easier for him. And then he thought... Uh, us sharing that the the positive of last week's episode was the um, volunteer coaches. He thought that was awesome. Tim Clay loved our episode last week. Um, he thought the longest yard remake was very underrated. Um, thought it was better than that. He loves. Um, he he really enjoyed your election night moments. Um, <laughs> he didn't really get specific as to which one, but thought it was good. And then. Um, he appreciated the inner workings of the, of the football program. He, he thought that was good. And then he has um, mentioned uh, Hard Core History by Dan Carlin. He thought that was a really good one. And then, so obviously, I, I think I mentioned somebody's podcast, and then he came back with that one. And then he, he gave me a shout out for appreciating Matt Rampton. And then he has started his own podcast, which is about the Hawkeye Marching Band. And it's called Down and off down and off is the name of that one trevor tompkins um he volunteered to be the equipment guy for the years that his two boys were in the youth football program and i don't know why um but he he thought it was um something that he he must have he had bad memory so by the time football season ended he he didn't enjoy it but then he forgot how much he didn't enjoy it when he volunteered the next year um appreciated that jason clocko didn't kill him uh, whenever he was asking for things, because Jason was the guy that was in charge of West Des Moines equipment overall. 
Um, and he uh, <laughs> pointed out that the only reason I like the original um, Longest Yard was because Ray Nitschke, a former Packer, was in there because the casting was done very, very much the same as the original in the, in the remake in that they had old NFL players and all that stuff. It was just, I liked a former Packer. Um, Jeff Graby, he, he did a little podcast confessional in that he, he claims that he also sucks at inventory. Um, he's pretty sure, and I, I, Schmitz, I apologize, and Jeff, I apologize for throwing you under the bus here, but he's pretty sure he's got some middle school singlets still missing um, that he let kids borrow and get them back. Um, volunteer coaches help him. You know, Matt Jensen was a volunteer coach with him down at the middle school for, for a couple of years. He thought that was great. And he is all for us to keep harassing Cole Hopkins. Um, and his stage fright was very visible with the squirrel. You know, we talked about the squirrel before with that. And um, he is going to ask Lipovac, which was worse, the Sheridan 2010 rain game for him and um, Lipovac, which was RIP cell phone, and then, or the OSCE of 2014. He wants to know from Lipovac, which was the, which was the worst. Um, Jill Martin let me know that she did admittedly fail us on the fact checking with the uh, um, social station being closed, not letting us know that. And then uh, her big thing with the Norwalk Community School District is that volunteer coaches do the exact same thing as us. Everything is exactly the same. They don't get paid and they do not get a badge and they don't get keys. So they are not entrusted with access to the building or, or doors, but yet they're entrusted with everything else that we are. And she just thought that that was um, a little bit of uh, hypocrisy on the, uh, the way of Norwalk Community School District. I agree wholeheartedly. Here's number one that you're going to enjoy. Are you ready? Yeah. I'm going to see if I can get this done. Um, I, I'm trying to do this justice when it comes this is from Cole Hopkins. He was looking forward to perhaps the very first Doug Heritage Less podcast when he heard Nelson's intro music. However, he immediately knew he was in for far worse the second that Oskaloosa sophomore year was brought up. <laughs> That has to be worse, right? I mean, he thought it was much worse. Yeah, I mean, that was, uh, yeah, just a really bad play. <laughs> really bad. Uh, so here is number two that you're going to enjoy Tyler Shamel. He can't stand the fact that Scallon does not, or I shouldn't say does not, rarely has a confessional. And he is shocked that Scallon, every time we do the confessional, acts like he didn't know it was coming. Like, oh, you know, like he was unprepared. He absolutely loves that every time you jump on to post that you have a confessional. Yeah, I apologize for tonight. I didn't have a good one. It was more of a, a shout out to in and out but um, I did hop in a little bit. But yeah. Tyler, next time I will confess, I mean, some deep, dark secrets just for you. I'm sure. Um, and then, of course, we, we already talked about this one where you, I, and Jake had our conversation about you getting a new song every time you guest host. Caleb Seymour, here's the third one that I think you're going to enjoy the most. Okay. This also is about, um, well, first of all, here's the question from Cole Hopkins, or not Cole, Caleb Seymour to you. Want, he wants to know your opinion on the quarry in Mason City. <laughs> 
the quarry in Mason City. Restaurant? I don't know if I know it. Okay. He thinks it's an excellent restaurant. A little pricey, but he thinks it's fantastic. I wonder if it used to have a different name. I could. I don't know the answer. Yeah. Um, he pointed out how much Campbell and Martin bring to our program, you know, because he was around for them and, and wasn't around really for Matt Andrews. So. Um, and here's a direct quote. And my God, that Oski game was the worst game ever. Changed out clothes at halftime just so I could make it through the second half. Cole screwed up a kneel down and Brune fumbled an OT. A topic still talked about to this day um, amongst those that played in that 2004 JV game at Oskaloosa. You have to give a little bit of credit to Brune in this case. I mean, I don't know if a person has ever played more JV football games than Nick Bruner. <laughs> I mean, you talk about like football teams, like every year they come back, we got, you know, 12 returning starters and 14 lettermen. We always had a returning starter on that JV football team. And it was Brune. He was awesome. I love it. I love it. He was, he, he, loved football yes absolutely loved it. loved it didn't care what he did as long as he was playing and he never wore sleeves and i don't know if he does now or not but but he seemed to he appeared to never be cold well and the nice thing for him back then was you know offensively at the freshman and jv level we were the exact opposite of what the the varsity ran so if you're a running back you're like, oh, great, you know, I'm going to carry it, you know, once or twice. Not in the JV level. You're going to carry it probably two or three times a series. If not more. Yeah. I mean, if we can get a first down. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Cole Hopkins at quarterback. Yeah, I mean, we actually – I mean, I'll give Lipovac credit. I mean, we kind of I – mean, it was like 1964 Orange Bowl football. <laughs> like, hey, wow – Norwalk completed a forward pass tonight. You know, like it was, it was a little rough sometimes. Um, you would think, well, no, we're not even going to go there. I mean, we could, we could rehash the whole kneel down debacle in the end zone and whatever, but yeah, he screwed it up. Yeah. He screwed it up. And yeah. by the way, we did mention Doug Heritage's name now twice um, yeah. on this episode. Uh, Brad Criswell came in and he, you know, he said that, uh, um, it wasn't necessarily a, a very fun topic, but it, it still is something that's necessary for us to talk about. And he, uh, he absolutely loved the new song. And then um, he, he started to get into old shows like um, Maverick and Gunsmoke, where you had two characters and you didn't know which one was going to show up for the episode. And so now he is like, okay, I know that Patterson is hosting who's with him. But it's, it's kind of a wait and see. And then as soon as that, that song turns on, you know who it is. It's, it's either Scallon or you um, hosting. So he, he and I were chuckling a lot about that, which was, it was really good. So that's it for feedback. I'm, I'm guessing you don't have any. No, I, I got nothing. Absolutely nothing. That's why I like listening to yours, because I want to know what the people are saying. Sure. And, and I thought it, it was, it was I, I got to be honest with you, I was shocked as to how much feedback came from this one. It was really good. I, and I, and I, like I said, I love hearing from people. So I'm thankful that uh, 
people are, are talking to us. Um, so before we get into high school sports, what I want to talk about just a little bit is your two-putt pod. Iowa's number one golf podcast. And talk about two things here. Number one, the fact that we are in the middle of the Masters. Well, not really. We're at the beginning of the Masters. Thursday, right? The, the, the first round happened today. But not, you not, did fully. not fully. Not everybody finished today? No. No. Okay. Because um, we had a little rain delay. That, that it is, what is it? Tropical storm, hurricane? It just rained a lot. It was rain and lightning. Yeah, but something's coming no in. Idea. Something is coming into that coast down there in the, in the coast that, that is causing that disturbance. Right? Okay. Um, and then you did your snake draft. So talk just a little bit about not only, let's start with the snake draft, like how you set that up, how that went, and then talk just a little bit about uh, round one of uh, the Masters. And then, you know, obviously we talked about it last week, how game day is coming in, but, but what you're most excited about when it comes to um, the Masters. Yeah, so the snake draft, we, we've done this now our, our second time, and we just basically ask people if they want to come and, and do it. And we did it for the, the PGA Championship, and we did it where uh, you pick three guys uh, and the most money won by those three guys uh, would be the winner of the snake draft. Well, I brought up afterwards, like, if you pick the winner, you – pretty much automatically win just because of how the the money is tiered in golf you know the winner wins a lot so we decided this time that we would take the the places of our three golfers and then whoever had the lowest number would win so um it's always fun because you get guys on there uh some of the guys are, are people that we know really well and some of the guys are people that we don't know as well and you can tell because we really like rib on those guys that we know really well. And then the other ones, we just let their Who picks picked first. And... What's his name that had the, the that person. has the relative that works at Augusta that gave him the insight. Oh yeah. 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 John Trost. And he took the Trost, big ball for, you know, it's and then hard Birdman is, is number three and he went with tiger. And... He took the big cap, but the big cap yeah. played well today. He did. He did. But you would say at Augusta, the guys that, that know how to play that course, you know, regardless if they're like Bryson and hitting the ball 350 or not, the guys that know how to play it generally play that course pretty well. And the big cat obviously knows how to win at Augusta national. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So what well, are you most excited about when it comes yeah, to the, the uh, mat, the masters always finds itself with the best golfers at the top of that leaderboard. And sometimes it takes a while to shake out, but it, it seems like, you know, 90% of the time it is a really big named leaderboard with a really big name winning. Uh, it's happened early already. I, I know we're not even through round one yet, but you look at the top of that leaderboard and there are some really big names in the game of golf. And the course is a little more gettable right now because it, it did rain. So it was pretty soft today. It, it won't be like that. I don't think the rest of the week, um, assuming it doesn't rain a ton, a ton more, you know, they have the, the sub air underneath their greens. So those things are running right now. They're going to dry those greens out and it's going to be more of a challenge. So I don't think you're going to see, you know, a ton of those scores like you did today moving forward, but I think you're still going to see the big, big names 
there on Sunday. And that's always what makes sporting events more fun and more exciting is when you have the best players in the world that happen to be there at the end. And I think, you know, so number one, obviously the game day being there on Saturday is going to draw even more national attention to what's going on in Augusta. Yep. But then the, the second, and I think you guys talked about, well, somebody, and I think it was uh, uh, Steggy. Is it Steggy? Steggy, yep. Um, yep. Made, the, made the comment where the Masters doesn't really start until the, the last nine on Sunday, you know, mm -hmm. the back nine on Sunday. And so I think, you know, you're, you're getting yourself set up for the same thing. You know, the big names, really tight race, really tight um, scores down the back nine, and let's see what happens. And the back nine has some holes that – they can absolutely fire at you know the the two par fives on the back nine 13 and 15 are both holes that the guys can get to in two pretty easily and Is that what, what did tiger eagle today i don't think tiger made an eagle today oh i thought he did okay maybe not but they're you know but they're also holes that you know if you miss you know you watch bryson on 13 today made just an absolute debacle of that hole and took a double and he hit the ball all over the, the place. And you're talking about the guy who hits it the furthest on, on a hole that he should be able to just crush. So it isn't just because that hole is easy. I mean, there it's some risk reward. And, you know, if guys hit good shots, I mean, and those guys do hit a lot of them, they get rewarded. And, you know, a, a three shot lead can go away very quickly yeah. on the back nine at Augusta. As you have seen in, in years and years and years of it. Seen, yep. seen it a lot. Um, so we're going to move on to high school sports. I think the, the first thing that we'll talk about is early signing day. Uh, Norwalk had five kids that signed early yesterday. I think it was five. Um, baseball, volleyball, and uh, softball, I think, were the, were the uh, sports that, that were represented in that early signing day. And, and I think that's always a really good thing for, for us. And, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited about the fact and how we have transitioned into celebrating that more than what we, what we used to. You know, back in the day, it used to be this kid would sign and we'd be happy for him and, and, and whatever. And now we're making it a little bit bigger deal, you know, school-wide um, type recognition. And I think that's important for us and, and important for our athletic department to be able to do that. So big day for us. I don't know. How, how many did you have? Did you have any? We, we had two yesterday. Yep. Two. We had uh, sports? Uh, girls track and girls basketball. Okay. Okay. Good. Um, and, I, and I would echo, echo your thoughts on that. It, the last year was the, I think last year was the first time that we had done just the one day where they could do it. And a lot of that was, it became really challenging when a kid would come in and say, Hey, I'm going to sign at um, such and such time on such and such day. And then somebody else picks another one. Yep. And it's, it, it kind of became a daunting task for us to be able to have, you know, the space available and, and everything there for them when, you know, it was kind of scattered. So yeah, it's, it's nice because there is that, that central focus on this is what we're going to do that day. But then also just from a planning side of things, it's just much easier for everybody to know. And then we also do, you know, so even those kids that signed um, yesterday will we'll be able to join the ceremony again um, in February, you know, to be recognized one more time with everybody that, that first Wednesday in February. So I think that's also, that's also pretty cool. You know, and then coming up, um, that when is it in December that the uh, um, football division one kids can sign, you know, that early oh, yeah. signing period for football. Yep. That's another one that's coming up. But uh, at this point in time, I just, I think it's really good school wide for us to be able to do that and do some um, recognition and things. So 
the next one um, for us is uh, uh, swimming. You know, both of us had some swimmers, right? Didn't you have some swimmers that qualified? We had some swimmers that qualified. Um, and then, you know, state meet is coming up here this weekend um, when, when they get to go to Marshalltown. And, and you know, I'll be honest with you, it, it, is, it is a scary time to be a, a high school athlete in postseason, you know, which, which right now is swimming and football. Um, just because of the raising num rising number of, of positive cases of COVID and, and whether or not you, you might have a chance to get shut down, you know, like Valley did, where, where they didn't even play in a quarterfinal game um, and put Dowling in the, uh, the semifinal. So something to be very cautious of. Yeah, I don't know if scary is the right word. Okay. You know, but it's more just the unknown, and maybe that's where the scariness comes from. You know, I mean, you can do all that you can to to be safe, but it doesn't necessarily make it go well for you in the end. I mean, if if there's something that happens in your family or, you know, somebody's not wearing a mask and it's not you, I mean, that, that makes a difference. And, the, I mean, that's the sad part is, you know, that people will lose opportunities, you know, that they can't replicate ever again. I mean – there's one 2020 state swim meet. And if you don't get yep. to swim in it, like you can't replicate that experience. Exactly. Whether that's another year or not, it doesn't matter. It's still an opportunity lost. And, and you hope that doesn't happen to anybody. But unfortunately, uh, like you said, the way that things are going right now, it's kind of crazy to think it won't happen to somebody. Yeah, just be cautious. Yes. Um, so football playoffs are going on. And right now, um, Xavier is playing uh, North Scott in 3A. Uh, Harlan just beat Boyden Hall Rock Valley. And then earlier today, Remsen St. Mary's outlasted Montezuma 108. That's one team score to 94. 108. Holy cow. And then Fremont Mills beat uh, Don Bosco 32 uh, 30, I do believe, is the final. So, yep. your guy. That, that is that, that's set. And then, of course, tomorrow, you know, in, in my opinion, is the big day because we get to see Southeast Polk in action and then Dowling versus Ankeny. Um, we're we're going to see what uh, what shakes out there. I'm, I'm excited for the for tomorrow afternoon and night. Ankeny's scary, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I don't know. Again, I, I've been on the Southeast Polk train as far as who I thought was going to win. But is there a more dynamic duo than what Ankeny has and and maybe ever if you think about two teammates uh, you know that are able to do the things that they can do and especially Arlen Bruce I mean I know that's a transplant and you can go down that rabbit hole if you want I'm not he's not. really he's really good yeah and he can score touchdowns in a lot of different ways and he I will agree. and he's going to get loose there's no question I think it comes down to you know, whether or not Dowling can keep their offense on the field. Because um, they're not going to win a track meet with those guys. You've got to do it a different way. You know, I don't well, think anybody's winning a track meet against those guys. There's no way that we're going to see 108 to 94. No. Not going to happen. I mean, they're not going to be 200 points in scored tomorrow, maybe. Yeah, true. You know, I mean, it, that was just crazy. We've got, we've got three things left to talk about in high school sports. Here's the order we're going in, and you need to help me the most on the first two. Okay. Okay, you ready? 
governor's new guidance, winter sports, and then I want to talk just a little bit about the uh, IFCA regional meeting um, that I was a part of. And so let's go, let's go governor's guidance. What, and, and, and maybe just tie that in with the winter sports and what that does for you as an athletic director. So the governor's guidance is really specific to spectators, I would say. Um, as far as the, the gameplay goes, um, you know, it, it doesn't really change any of that stuff, but it really changes, you know, what it's going to look like at those events. And, you know, the first one being, you know, two spectators per athlete, I believe is how they, they did it. And I'll, I'll throw out, you know, we're hosting our first youth basketball tournament uh, at Indianola uh, on Saturday. And it, it is a, a small event compared to what we've done in the past. You know, our November tournament is generally 80 teams strong. I mean, it's solid with people on the waiting list. This one is, is 35 teams. And um, now with just two spectators, you know, per kid, uh, you know, it, it will really be a, a small event, which is fine. I mean, it, it really comes down to we're still giving the kids an opportunity to do things just like the winter is as of now. Um, I think the one thing I've really realized from, from March and April to now, and you and I kind of talked about it off the air, but in the spring it was, we would give anything for our kids to have an opportunity. Yes. And now, now they were giving things up for them to have an opportunity and people are not happy about it. So I, I understand the frustration. Uh, unfortunately, we have no flexibility as it comes to that. It is, it is given to us. And in fact, the athletic association sent out uh, kind of a follow-up email today. They had, they had got some feedback, asked questions of the governor's office and got a response. And you know, it's, it is a, a pretty solidified uh, set of rules that they have, which, again, I, I would say is, is a good thing that somebody is, is telling us what is best. Um, the tough part is it's a, it's a big change from what we had originally planned on doing. But, you know, from a, an athletic director standpoint, when, when all these events started, we were kind of tasked as COVID mitigation experts. Like, we're supposed to come up with ways that that would be the best. And we don't have that type of background. Very few people do, you know, I mean, there are some experts that, that do do that for a, a living. We, we don't, you know, we, we put on events and then they say, well, you got to think about these things, which we always do. But in this case, it's such a, a heavy topic that not very many people know about. And then we have to then make these rules that are supposed to be, you know, the best decision. Well, we, we don't know necessarily what that is. We do our best, but I don't think any of us claim to be experts. If I remember correctly, I think this summer when you and I were talking, um, when baseball and softball guidance was being, being sent out and your biggest complaint was they're not, it's not, you can't call it guidance because they're not really helping you with anything. You know, they're telling you to check with, you know, your County health department and the County health department is saying, well, you check with your local, um, guidance you know from from your own school board and your and and what you decide to do in your in your own district and then i mean everybody was pointing the finger somewhere else and i do believe your comment this time was we may not like what the guidance is but they're giving us guidance and that's making a huge yes and it's making a difference yeah and it, you know the 
everything before was a recommendation. You know, you, you should go. do this. Yeah. You could do this, but you never had to do anything. And that's, like I said, that's tough for us because we want to do what's best, but I don't think in a, in a pandemic, we necessarily have all those answers. We, we may get them right, but that's because of trial and error, yeah. you know, and, and really looking at what other people are doing. But again, you're looking at other people that don't necessarily know what they're doing. So again, I, I don't, I'm not going to complain about, about getting rules. We're going to deal with it the way that, that we're supposed to, but it is nice that somebody is finally stepping up and saying, this is what you are going to do. The uh, it's like going to the doctor and not knowing what's wrong. And, you know, gosh, I just want an answer and I want an answer and I want an answer. And they give you an answer and it's the answer you don't like. And then you complain about getting that answer. Well, which was more important, you know, getting an answer or having it be what you want it to be. And, and in this case, I feel like it's the same thing. You know, you, you want guidance now that you've got it. Okay, let's move forward. And I think it's important for us to point out that this guidance that came from the governor's office yesterday, first, no consultation with the association or the union. It was just given, just like it has been on several occasions um, throughout this pandemic with, with high school sports and, and things like that. Second, it was specific to spectators. It was not any change to what's taking place within each district when it comes to sports taking place. You are still responsible for what happens in Indianola for wrestling, for bowling, for boys swimming, for girls and boys basketball. That, that you're still in charge of that. However, the state don't stepped in and said, this is wrestling. Did I, oh yeah, sorry, wrestling. And wrestling obviously is the biggest one. Sorry, um, from, Yeah, contact, my bad. And, and I'll be honest with you, it was in my head. It, just, it didn't come out of my mouth. I was thinking wrestling because I've, I've listened to Jake and Brandon talk about some of the different um, hurdles they have to get, a, get over as far as making that happen. But it, it, it is, those things are still happening. The only thing she came out and said was, here are the rules for spectators. It. Um, do you have anything else from, from that side? Did you think it was a little confusing with the Unidome? Yes. So, oh, very. I, everybody did. That was that was one of the big hot topics yesterday. Was what in the world was going on with her saying two, and then an hour later, wasn't it an hour later? Say, well, uh, football is not included in that. That that is excluded. Um, this is what's happening there. Well, I thought it was odd that because of the size of the venue, that they considered it more of an outdoor sport. Like it's still indoors. Like yeah, the, I the roof the is there. Yeah, the venue's different, but that would be the same thing. The the gym at Dallas Center Grimes is a lot bigger than the gym at Whiting, but they're the same amount of people are allowed in there. Like, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, if that's what you're going to do, it's a it's a it's a rule. But then you say the Unidome is like an outdoor event because it's bigger. Um, well, what I'm going to say uh, is that I would do a lot more speculating on that off the air than I will on the air when it comes to trying to figure that one out again another rabbit hole i don't want to go down i just thought i would bring it up give the listeners something to chew on while they're listening to this and they can come up with uh their own set of rules which was it, it was strange um so ifca regional meetings took place last night and it's something that that we do every year uh right before the semifinal start which is which is that wednesday night um and we did two things that are different than normal typically well, I shouldn't say to, but here's, here's, what, here's what took place last night. We increased the number of sites 
um, of people who hosted the meeting. We, we set the agenda. Um, the, uh, a select few people from the board of directors sets the agenda. And then from there, it's sent out to all the people that are willing to host. So we increased the number of venues and the number of people and places you could go, which, which should have shrunk how many people were there. And then the second thing that we did, which we have not done, is we went virtual. We, we offered it virtual. Um, several schools were virtual only, where the host sat in front of the computer and went through everything and then took care of it that way. And then there were others that were uh, blended or a hybrid model where you, you had some in-person people there and then you had some that chose to go virtually. And, and the one that I was a part of um, was at Grimes and Scott Heitland hosted and we just we went through the agenda and, and you know basically what what it comes down to is this the Iowa Football Coaches Association needs to try and create a bridge between the Des Moines public schools and, and especially the football side of things and the association and how can we mend that relationship because it's it's not there um, it's it's there's a divorce and it's an ugly one. Um, and then the second thing that we have to do is we've got to figure out a way to get um, the Iowa Football Coaches Association and the, and the Athletic Association of Boone um, back on the same page as far as a lot of different items, but mainly the, the transfer rule in, in that situation did not go well across the board as far as how it was uh, received from Iowa high school football coaches. So there's some, there's some work for us to do, you know, from the Coaches Association side of things, but I love getting together and, and hearing what people have to think. And I'll be honest with you, you know, a little bit more of a confessional. Last night sitting in that meeting and listening to two of the Des Moines coaches talk, um, I, felt, I felt very guilty. Um, I felt helpless and speechless all at the same time because they're, they're talking about their situation and their plight um, this year during the football season and, and no answer from me. I, I had no words, nothing to, to do or to say and didn't, didn't know how to support. Um, and so I've got to work on that and I've, I've, got to, I've got to try and do my best to uh, try to build some bridges. Can I ask a specific question? Yeah, you ask away. And if you don't feel like answering, please just say so. Okay. But I know classification yep. was a topic. Big, big topic. Okay. So can I just get a little feeling yeah. on, so, on how they plan to do that? And like, I know they want to, or we've talked about adding classifications. Um, how do they go about adding and then knowing who would be in those classifications? Okay. So here, here is um, in January, my position changes significantly. Um, and I think one of the things that, that is on my agenda um, is to try and figure out a way to give the Iowa Football Coaches Association a voice in Boone and a seat at the table whenever something concerns football. Because right now that's not the case. So for instance, on December 4th, classification committee is going to meet in, the, in, in Boone with the association. No representation from the IFCA is on that classification. So that's tough for us. Because we don't have, a, we, I mean, we, we can give some suggestions and things, but we don't know what actually takes place in that meeting. Okay, so let's back up now. In the spring, um, a, a select few members of the Iowa Football Coach Association Board of Directors met with um, the, the three um, bigwigs up there in, in Boone. It was Tharp, it was Chiswick, and it was Keating. And we had a classification slash playoff conversation. We 
felt as though we needed more representation. So then we went statewide, all classes were represented, and it was some, it was some football coaches, it was some athletic directors, and in a couple cases, it was football coaches and athletic directors who are the same person. And so we had a conversation, and there was a huge split between 4A in, in East Side versus West Side. There was a big split in what 3A and 4A felt should happen for 3A and 4A, and then there was a split between what should happen with eight man and A. So you have, you have this huge mix of things, and basically what came out of that is, is that the association is willing to look at adding classes, okay, and we'll talk more about that here in just a second, adding classes and having a conversation about how that should look. We felt as though it's difficult for us to have a conversation about playoffs without knowing what the classifications are. For instance, if we're talking 24 teams in class 4A, sorry, in class 5A, and 24 teams in class 4A, well, 16 qualifiers, is that really the, the answer? Is that the best way to do it? You know, and so we need to know what the classification change looks like, if there is a change, what those numbers are, how you get to it, and then let's have a conversation about playoffs. So now let's fast forward. We haven't done anything for seven months. So now November 23rd, that same group that met uh, in the spring is going to come back and we're going to have another meeting and we're going to revisit classification. There are really two proposals on the table. The first one is keeping 5A or 4A the same, but adding and splitting um, a classification at the eight-man level. So you'd have like eight-man one and eight-man two, something along those lines. The second proposal, which is the one that I'm in favor of, just so you, everybody knows, is the one where you add two classifications. You add a 5A and you add that, that second eight-man classification, okay? Here's where the biggest dilemma comes. Where do you split and how do you go about it? And keep this in mind. No matter what we do, there's always gonna be somebody that's the biggest and there's always gonna be somebody that's the smallest and there's always gonna be somebody that's really happy and there's always gonna be somebody that's really upset. So what's best for all the people that are involved? There were 330 football playing schools last in, in 2020. Not all of those 330 got to play football, but 330 scheduled football playing schools. We aren't gonna make everybody happy, so what's best for high school football? And that's something that we've gotta come up with. And, and those are some of the things that we talked about. And now we're taking suggestions from everybody. And, and our group in Grimes um, was fortunate enough that, that I was sitting at that meeting because then I shared with everybody what that um, that matrix was and, and as far as those classifications. So Eric got to see that. Um, and I'm sure that's probably one of the conversations you guys had today. Mm -hmm. I, I guess I was really curious, are they just going to keep going straight beds numbers for class? It looks like it. It does. And, and, and they don't, what, what Boone is very reluctant to do is to have any sort of calculation in how things go, whether that be winning percentage or that being a success factor or anything like that, they're having, or, you know, how many boys are, instead of total enrollment, how about just male enrollment, things like that, they're having a tough time with that. They're balking at it, I guess would be the right way to, to say it. I don't know what the reason is. I just know that they're reluctant. So I look at like those beds numbers. And if you say there's 24 in the, the top class, you know, Dowling is the 28th biggest school yep. in, in Iowa. And 
Dowling does not need to be in any class but the best class. I mean, and there's some there are some kinks that would have to be worked out. You know, now if if Norwalk football wanted to play 4A, we could petition to play 4A, mm-hmm. and and get it done. So I don't know it. Lot like I said, lots of kinks to work out. My two biggest concerns are what is best for high school football, and and I'll be honest with you, I think adding classes is is best. The second is how do we get a seat at the table when the decisions are actually made and not just on the input side. And that's something I've got to work on. That's fair. Yeah. So anything else from high school? You got any other questions about the, about that? No. Stuff? Sounds that's like uh, you need a good dose of good luck. Yeah. And, and I'll be honest with you. Um, that's some insider information right there. I, not everybody has been privy to, to all of those conversations that we had, which is another reason why we need to work as an IFCA board of directors. We need to work on being even more transparent, you know, because mm-hmm. last night we start talking about that and they're like, what, what are you talking about with these proposals and all that stuff? And I thought that everybody had seen it, but they had not. So that's when we started digging and that, that drove our conversation when it came to the classification side of things. So why did we call this episode Coors? <laughs> well, Golden Colorado, Coors, the banquet of beers. We're going to talk about banquets. Could have went banquet, you know, the food side of things. Um, in fact, Will and I just had banquet uh, chicken patties last night mm, for dinner. Okay. So we could have went that route. But that's not as much fun as banquet the, the or Coors, the banquet beer, the banquet, banquet of beers. Correct. No, banquet beers. No, banquet of beers. Um, how did that come up with that name? Well, the miners of Golden, Colorado, gave the nickname the Banquet Beer back in the 1800s, and it just, it stuck. So now it's even on their, their cans and their bottles and things. So that's why we did it that way. We are talking about banquets. And not, in the beer, Nor- not beer. Correct. Talking about the banquets. Okay. And in the Norwalk world, when you talk about a banquet, that means there's food there. So our non-sponsor of tonight's episode, episode 27, Chester's Chicken from Scott's. Oh, you used to always find Chester's Chicken on the table and maybe several, several tubs of it on the table when Scott's was around. Had a very difficult time choosing between Chester's and Casey's because there's always Casey's Pizza that shows up at the banquets too. However, decided on Chester's because we already have Casey's when we go Criswell's Corner. Um, that's, a, it's a, that's an official sponsor because Brad takes care of buying gift cards for all the guests. So um, we actually have that as a sponsor. So we had to, we had to go with Chester's Chicken. And uh, it, it was delicious. Fried chicken, absolutely fantastic. Could get it at Scott's. Uh, Chester's Chicken was actually my uh, pregame uh, baseball meal. When was I was it really? A senior in high school, yeah. At Shortstop was the uh, the gas station name back then. It isn't. It is still a gas station. It's just not called that anymore. They had. And is Chester still there? I don't think Chester's is still there. Okay. What did I you don't get? know though. I have. I used to get two chicken legs. Okay. <laughs> two chicken legs, a bag of Sour Patch Kids, and a Mountain Dew. Nice. That's nice. how much I liked baseball. Every day. Every game. 
on the on the Which, road. Sorry, on the road. Oh, okay. I was gonna say, what in in the summer? That that's was forty my, games. That's a lot. That was my bus uh, food. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Not what? sure that would fit the mold of a nutritional value. No, it was terrible. But for me, here's the question: What did you wear on the bus? Huh. Did you did you have shorts and a t-shirt, or did mm-hmm. you have your game pants and and no. uniform on? No crumbs on my uniform. I was more worried about the grease from, from the chicken. Like after you get done eating, are you just wiping it on your sh- on your pants, your game pants? No, just just okay. my shorts. Okay. And I like that. Yeah. And you are big. You are a big non chocolate um, candy guy. I don't know. Last time I've had chocolate, to be honest with you. Yeah. Skittles. Oh. Starburst. Yes. Sour Patch. Yeah, Swedish um, fish. Yeah, Swedish fish. There we go. I mean, you just go down the Mike list. Oh, oh, man. So good. Yeah. Dots? Are you dots? Yeah, I like dots. Okay. Um, well, I'll tell you what. We are really far into this episode, and we haven't even hit the, the Papa Burger section, which is banquets. It's a lot of talking. Yeah, I would say this might qualify as like the spinning of the tires. Okay. And yeah, like maybe but- we can hit some pavement here in a second. Mark Parrington. Here we go. Banquets. Here's the, here's the first thing that I, I want to know. Ever since I've been in Norwalk, there's been a banquet. We had a banquet when I was in high school, but we did an all sports banquet. We did it at the end of the year and you celebrated every single sport. Again, remember my high school, it was all boys and there were only a hundred of us in, in there. So it wasn't very long um, as far as that, but they fed us a great meal. Anyway, where did banquets start and when did it become potluck and how did this whole, whole, things start and I don't know the answer to it. I just don't. Um, here's our history. When I started in Norwalk in 1997, they had the banquet out at um, Echo Valley Country Club. It was nine through 12 and that sucker lasted somewhere in between three and four hours. They fed you a full meal and you celebrated all the ninth graders, all the 10th graders, all the juniors, all the seniors. And it, it was a marathon. When Tom took over, it, he shrunk it, but it still was really long. And we celebrated everybody. And, you know, and then and the worst part is the freshmen would get talked about really early, and then they'd have to sit there for two and a half, three hours longer after they've already been talked about. And it just, it wasn't good. At one point in time, we had the cheerleaders with us too. But we gave cheerleader awards, you know, letters and all that stuff. We did freshmen, we did sophomores, we did juniors, and we did seniors. It was forever. About 10 years ago, we decided that we would split and we now have our freshman and sophomore banquets different uh, on a different night. And so we go freshman and sophomores, they eat together. So everybody brings food, both sides share it. And then in Eastview, we, we split the, uh, the cafeteria and the freshmen go on one side, the sophomores go on the other side. And each freshman and each sophomore player, that's a non-varsity player that, that played JV, um, they all get talked about by the coaches and it is fantastic. Then the next week, well, maybe not for the coaches, but for, for the parents and the kids, it, it, I mean, they get celebrated and they get talked about. And I think it's really good. Then on the other, the, the next Sunday, which will be this Sunday for us is the varsity side. And, and we talk about the juniors collectively. We used to talk about the juniors individually and the seniors individually got really long. We now just talk about the seniors individually. We talk about the sophomores and the juniors collectively um, as a group. And then we hand out the awards and we do all district. We do academic all district. We do senior gifts. We do, um, we talk about the managers and we, uh, 
um, do any other awards, our team awards, special teams, uh, offense, defense, and then our warrior award. And that's it in a nutshell. And, and last week's banquet took an hour uh, with the freshmen and sophomores. No food, no anything, no parents. Um, and so this Sunday, we're doing the same thing. We're going Facebook Live. We're in the auditorium, no food. And we're just talking about the seniors that are, that are there uh, individually. And, you know, for me, the banquet wholeheartedly is parent-driven. The kids don't want to stand up in front uh, of, of everybody and, and be talked about what, what they want is they want to eat. They want to find out who gets what. They want to get the heck out of there. But the parents want to hear about, about their kids. And, and that's why we do it. We do it for the parents. I think that's very similar to what has happened with like senior nights. You know, I mean, senior night used to be like, hey, here's Paul Patterson. Here's his parents. There you go. Being legal. But now it's, but one parent decides to up the ante, then the next parent has to up that ante. And all of a sudden it's like a, it's a program, you know, it's, it's crazy. And, And I, banquets are the, kind of the same way you know when when things are parent driven I get it parents want uh, what they think is best for for their kids Um, and I would just say there's a little disconnect between what the the parents want and what the kids want because like you said I mean I would say from a boy's perspective it's probably different than a girl too um, as far as you know that that kind of loving part of that comes with banquets and, and senior night but from a guy's perspective just tell us what we need to do and make it go as fast as it can so that we can move on to whatever it is that we're would rather be doing. And feed us. Yeah. First yeah. feed, feed yeah. me first and then yeah. you can do make it, make it short and quick. Um, you know, and, and from a, from a coach's side, coaches don't want to do it. They, they don't enjoy banquets because that's another, another time for them to have to stand up and talk in front of everybody. And, you know, and some people just aren't very public in their, in their speaking ability. Um, and so it just, it, it makes it a little bit tougher. So for us, you know, and I'm going to talk prep work here. You know, the first thing we do is we split the seniors up. Who's talking about who? And basically it's position coaches take care of that. And then they're responsible for whatever it is that they want to talk about. Uh, I'd be honest with you. There, there, is, there is not one time in the last 18 years that I have written anything down for a kid. And sometimes that comes back to bite me because I, I forget, you know, I have, I have planned in my head kind of what I want to talk about. Um, I know all of them well enough that I don't need to write anything down. However, sometimes I forget to point out some of the things that I want to point out about them um, in, in a positive light. You know, and I, and I think specifically Sam Hester here a couple of years ago, you know, I, I spent most of the time crying um, and didn't really get much out of it, you know, or, or say much to him or about him in front of everybody. And that, that made it a little awkward for him um, and, and unfair really to him that I didn't get much out. And so, you know, that, that's the first thing. We split seniors up and then coaches, each individual coach decides how and what they're gonna do as far as what they're gonna say about that senior. Um, second thing for me then would be to sign certificates, all district um, team awards, all of that stuff. You know, whether you're a participant, you, you get a participation award, you get a letter award, um, sign all of those. Then set the agenda, you know, and it's basically the same format. You just have to change names and, and update things a little bit that way. Um, get to Bob's, 
not only to drop everything off that needs to be engraved and get everything ordered, but then make sure you go back to Bob's to pick everything up so that you have it. That will be my trip tomorrow afternoon. I'm going down, I'm coming your way uh, to Bob's to pick everything up because it's done. And Bob's Trophies does a fantastic job. I probably could have had them as a non-sponsor too. They, they are, they're wonderful what they, what they do. Um, and then the next piece would be um, Scallon's uh, stats. You know, several years ago, he undertook the job of, of taking all of Norwalk history and, and converting that into, into stats. And, and that's a story for another time because that'll take us a little while. But what a fantastic job he did. We now have the history of Norwalk football when it comes to stats, you know, statistical leaders and career best and single season best and single game best um, and things like that. And so he updates that, uh, which is updated, by the way. And then the last thing then is communication, making sure that everybody knows, you know, and this one, especially this year is especially important because we got to get out the links um, for, you know, like last Sunday, we had to get out the Google meet and that was an awkward time. It, it, it was not very good. And we learned our lesson. Um, we're moving forward. And, and it was still tough because you had two. I spent the first 20 minutes of the banquet on Sunday letting parents in, flipping back and forth between the two meetings, you know, between the freshmen and sophomores in the back uh, of the, cafeteria and just kept admit, 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 admit. Um, this week we're going Facebook Live um, in the auditorium and so that should help. You shouldn't necessarily have to be let in. You know, you should just be able to go in and watch it and then I think it should get recorded so that if you miss something or you need a grandparent to hear what it, what it was that Lee said about Paul, you can go back in and watch it. So that, that really is it for the banquets in a nutshell. I'm sure there's a few things that we missed but trying to rush through that just a little bit to try and catch up. The good thing is moving forward, history is not very long, so that'll be pretty easy for us to, uh, to get. Anything to add with banquets? I mean, besides that it's just another thing this year that you have to adapt to and do differently, and right. I think we're just getting used to doing that stuff now, which you know, I, I think people are gonna appreciate down the road because they're gonna see how much extra time people spent doing all these things now that we have to do differently. You know, when you can do things the same way, it doesn't take a lot of prep work. And now a lot of the things that we are doing to make it so that we're still able to give people these opportunities, it just takes a lot more time and effort. Yeah, and Chad, Chad was working at, we were working on this, mainly Chad was working on getting this all ready for Sunday already yesterday, as far as the Facebook Live and making sure that the link works. Um, so we, we, we're ready to roll. We just have to, you know, wait for Sunday to get here and get it taken care of. So we'll be good. Um, so that's it for the, the Papa Burger portion. You know, we're talking banquets, um, Coors, if you will, the banquet of beers. Um, history. So we've got two pieces of history tonight we're going to talk about. The first one is, and, and you already, you got it right, by the way, the only, can you name the only, and you can, because you already got it. Can you name the only member of the Norwalk Football Hall of Fame who happens to also be the first coach inducted into the Norwalk Athletic Hall of Fame. Dave Minard. Dave Minard is it. A little history lesson for you there. We did, we did one year of the Norwalk Football Hall of Fame, and then it was quickly replaced by the Norwalk Athletic Hall of Fame. And Dave Minard, in his 144 wins, was inducted into both. 144 wins. The next thing, part of history, five years ago today, you were a part of this, Norwalk football played Sergeant Bluff Luton in the state semifinals in um, Cedar Falls. What a fantastic 
run that was. And we talked a little bit about that before, um, before we got on. And as, as I talked about, I would go back and go through that all again and end up in second place. It was, it was an unbelievable experience five years ago. And, you know, for me, the one thing that I distinctly remember um, was thanking the boys, you know, that last Thursday, well, which was a Wednesday before the state championship game and just thanking them because there are so many coaches through the, through the years of high school football in the state of Iowa that have never made it to the dome and been able to play a football game there. And we got, we were fortunate enough to have, have the opportunity to do two in that one year. Um, and, and that was pretty special. And it was a pretty special group that we were, we were there with. The two games were the best part about it because I think the first night we were in the dome, it was hard to enjoy and appreciate where you were at because you'd never done it before, yep. you know? So everything's new, you know, even the, the travel there, you know, stopping in what Iowa falls or something. Yep. Was Iowa falls. yep. And, and eating in this little school cafeteria and, and then going to the game and, and again, never being on that side of the dome, you don't really grasp what you're doing, you know, and, and everything's just like, we got to go, we got to do this and we got to do that. And all of a sudden the game starts and then the game ends and, and it's time to move on to the next one. I made a, a cognizant effort the second time we we're there to just look around and like soak up everything that we were doing. And just so you could remember that you were there as opposed to knowing once the, the game kicks off, you know, you, you don't have that ability. So that second time being there was, was really special because you did get to sit back just even if it was for a couple minutes and just soak up every part about that place and, and what it means as a coach or a player or a fan or whatever it is to, to be there and just enjoy um, that experience maybe a little bit more than the first time you walked in? Um, I, I got two things for you. The first one, remember part of the problem with not being able to enjoy the semifinal game was is we didn't have any time to warm up. We didn't know what to do. You and I, Mark Farley was not leaving the field and we didn't know where to go, what to do, how to act. So we have kids underneath the balcony, you know, underneath the overhang trying to warm up and get stretched and we're on the sideline and we're trying to stay out of the way, but yet we're still trying to warm up. It, that, that made it, you know, you, you felt rushed once they were finally done. It was like, let's go. We've got to get through all the things that we try to get through. So it was just, it, that piece was really funny. Um, the, the next week we had a little bit more time to breathe, you know, as we got ready for the, for the actual championship game. And then, you know, we keep that shutterfly moment keeps coming back where, where it's me and you standing on the field and we're looking at something and I can't remember for the life of me what we're staring at but we're all we're looking that way and it must have been something that was I mean attention grabbing yeah we just had the ability to yeah true and you know and we, we didn't like you you mentioned that semifinal game yeah I'm a blur is probably the right way to describe it you know I mean it was it was stressful because I know you as a, as a head coach, you have basically every minute of a pregame warm-up planned. So you go from here to there to there, and you just keep moving. Well, all of a sudden, that the first 25 minutes that we're supposed to be doing things, 
it's not there anymore. So there's yeah. like 36 minutes or something, I think, until game time. And we're just starting the specials. Okay, this is going to be a challenge. And, you know, a blur probably describes it. And all of a sudden we come out and I'm not saying this in a bad way, but we kind of punched them in the mouth and did our thing. And maybe that should have been a, a way we approached every single pregame at that point. <laughs> that was, it was really good. And, and remember, we, we had a, a broken play that turned into like a, a 35 yard scramble that led to our first touchdown. And we went for it on fourth and one on the second series and ran one of our little reverses and, and Kobe Clocko made a awesome play and scored. And that gave us that 14, you know, two score lead. And, and that made a huge difference. So um, those are the, that's the history piece, you know, a little reminiscing. So I apologize to everybody that had to, had to go through that, but just a little reminiscing. So now into the positive. Um, and for me, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to highlight Christy Patterson. Um, she does an awful lot during the football season and more than anybody would, would really know from what goes on here at the house, what goes on with, with you know, now that Will is, is the only one left here, but when Jake was around and, and um, Will, both of them, you know, running and doing all the things that she does. And then to be a, a person who doesn't miss a game, you didn't miss any of Jake, she didn't miss any of Will's, she didn't miss any of mine. And, you know, we, we've been together, um, well, for all 24 years that I've been in Norwalk, but all 21 years as a head coach, and I think she's missed one game. Um, in that time. And, and that's a lot of cold. That's a lot of hot. That's a lot of inclement weather. Um, and she's been through it, you know, been through it all. And then on top of all of that, she takes care of all of us after the game, you know, as far as the food and, and, and all the prep work that she does, you know, and she's got the menu laid out as to what we're going to have, you know, from a little bit of an appetizer to the main dish, plus the dessert, and plus the snacks. And, and it, it is just a, it is fantastic to have that but also to have the, the support of somebody who understands what you are, who you are, and what you have to go through when it comes time for your season to be, and be as understanding as she is as far as the time and, and effort um, from my end that goes into it, and then to be there and be supportive and take care of everything else. And, and every good coach has to have a good, a good counter, you know, a good spouse and a good partner. Um, when it comes to that, because if you don't, then, then you can't be a great coach. And, and I think that's important for us. And so I've got, I've got the best, you know, that's my opinion. And I'm sure other people would think that theirs is the best, but, but uh, mine is the best. And, and I'm, I'm thankful for that. And I think it's, it's important for us to, to celebrate those people that are our spouses and our partners and our, and our um, husbands and wives and boyfriends and girlfriends and whatever you want to, you know, whatever title they have um, to make things work. And, and I think it's important for us to celebrate that. And Christy Patterson for me is, is uh, top notch. I will say you use the word understanding and I would echo that thought as far as, as my wife goes, you know, my, my schedule. Well, even, even when I was at Norwalk, I, I coached every single season, you know, I coached four sports, um, obviously a little different time commitment with the, the different sports, but, um, you know, now, you know, it's, it's not a sport per se, it's a season, you know, and there's a pretty good chance that she's not going to see me very often. Uh, maybe that's a good thing. I, I, I won't comment any further on that, but you know, we have two little girls at home 
that she basically has to deal with all that by herself. And it'd be pretty easy to, to get frustrated with the other person. Like, Hey, it'd be nice if you're around, but they understand, you know? And I think that's a, a big thing that maybe we kind of take for granted. We always look for like the really, really positive things or or focus on the really negative, like understanding is just, it's really positive, but it kind of goes unmentioned a lot of times because it's not flashy. They just, they get what they have to do and they understand that, you know, we're doing the stuff that we're doing because not that we love it more than our family, but it's something that we do have a big passion for. And, and a lot of that um, sacrifice comes with time. I mean, it's, that's where we lose a lot of things. So yeah, I I echo um, your thoughts exactly. And and Christy, you know, you mentioned taking care of the coaches afterwards. I know I got to be a part of that for three years. I mean, we kind of take for granted. We just show up at your house after the game and there's just a bunch of food there for us to eat. Like we have to remember, like it just didn't drop into that spot. Like somebody had to, to make that. So Yeah, I mean, it, it is, a, you know, probably a, a job that goes, you know, unnoticed a lot um, because they aren't the ones on the sidelines or are the ones that everyone sees. It's, it's the behind-the-scenes stuff that is equally as important uh, as, as the stuff that everyone sees. And, and we're not taking pictures of the spread, you know, the, the, all the food and everything, and then sending it out on Twitter, and, you know, we're, we're not drawing attention to it. Um, it. It just it gets done, and I think that the most important thing you know, when you talk about that, it just didn't drop out of, of, of the sky um, is the fact that most of it, it's not like she just buys Casey's pizzas and throws them on the counter and say, Hey, here you go. It's, it's stuff that she has to prep. Um, you know, and oftentimes she's making something on Tuesday and then she's making something on Wednesday and then she's making something on Thursday. And then, you know, in many, many occasions, she's making something, you know, whether she turns on the crock pot before she goes to the game and then comes home and takes care of it, or she comes home after the game and throws something into the oven gets it done. And then by the time we're done doing whatever we have to do, we come home and it's hot and it's fresh. Um, that's huge for us. And, and, and I think that's, uh, it's important for us to make sure that we, we highlight that for you know, everybody. And, and everybody, again, we talked about it. You, you've got to have somebody at home that helps you with that. And, and for, for both of us, uh, we're pretty fortunate with, with uh, we all kicked our coverage with who we have. No doubt about it. Good football pun. Yeah. No, yeah, no, good football punt, bad job on the, uh, on the, on the coverage, but you know, yeah. you got anything else in closing? No, that was, that was pretty heartfelt. I, I felt that right there. And I appreciate that. Cause I think we need to say those things more often to people, not just our spouses, everybody that helps make our lives a lot easier and a lot better. We right. don't do a good enough job. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Um, that we got kind of long-winded in a couple spots. There are a couple of big things um, in there, you know, that, that uh, were happening. So that one's kind of, uh, that was kind of interesting right there. It's good. It's yeah. kind of the human side of, of everything. Yeah, I'm good with that. So again, you know, we talked about it last week, how some of the stuff that we're talking about is not flashy. You know, it's not really fun to have conversations about banquets and, and equipment and things like that, but it's necessary because it's part of what we do. And, and that's really what this is about is high school sports and coaching and, and, you know, some of the behind the scenes things and some of the things that go on in our world and, and trying to shed a little light on that and, and let you in just a little bit on, on what takes place here at Norwalk and, and in, in a little bit of Indianola, you know, with you coming on. And so again, I, I don't know if I can thank you enough, you know, for your flexibility. And remember this is Thursday night. And part of the reason why it's Thursday night is because Tuesday you were getting back late from Arizona 
Last night, I was overly ambitious and thinking that we were going to be able to do this after our, our regional meeting. Got done with that. I was tired. Uh, and I'm glad that we waited tonight. You know, and, and again, you know, I appreciate you saying yes. I appreciate you um, hopping on and being flexible with what we're doing and then being able to, to you know, be the other person in this conversation when it comes to these things and being as, as um, well-versed as you are and flexible and multifaceted in the world of athletics, being able to talk about all these things that we talk about. So I appreciate it. I'm like the anti-Tom Scallon. <laughs> hop in the confessional. Much to, much to. I can Tyler say whatever I want because he, I can say whatever I want because he's not going to listen to it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's a good point. And remember our non-sponsor, Chester's Chicken from Scott. Mm. That was a, uh, that was a fan favorite of everybody. It really Absolutely. was. Um, and then, of course, this, this episode 27 of Talking the Walk was Coors, the banquet of beers, because we talked about banquets tonight. So, again, anything you want to hit us up with, you know, any feedback that you got for us or, or anything, you know, feel free, reach out. And then uh, we appreciate you listening and we appreciate you taking the time to uh, talk about the things that uh, went on. So, Lee, I appreciate you. Thanks for coming on again. I'm Paul Patterson signing off from Talking the Walk, episode 27. And I'm the anti-Tom Scallon, Lee Nelson. Closing time. Thank you for listening to the Talking the Walk podcast show. Yeah.